Today's reading of the Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, the fourth chapter. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness, where for forty days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing at all during those days, and when they were over, he was famished. The devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, command this stone to become a loaf of bread. Jesus answered him, It is written, One does not live by bread alone. Then the devil led him up and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And the devil said to him, To you I will give their glory and all this authority, for it has been given over to me, and I give it to anyone I please. If you then will worship me, it will all be yours. Jesus answered him, It is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Then the devil took him to Jerusalem and placed him on the pinnacle of the temple, saying to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you to protect you, and on their hands they will bear you up so that you will not dash your foot against a stone. Jesus answered him, It is said, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. When the devil had finished every test, he departed from Jesus until an opportune time. Then Jesus, filled with the power of the Spirit, returned to Galilee, and a report about him spread through all the surrounding country. He began to teach in their synagogues and was praised by everyone. When he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind. To let the oppressed go free. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant and sat down. The eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. Then Jesus began to say to them, Today the scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. All spoke well of him and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his mouth. They said, Is not this Joseph's son? He said to them, Doubtless you will quote to me this proverb, Doctor, cure yourself. And you will say, Do here also in your hometown the things that we have heard you did at Capernaum. And he said, Truly I tell you, no prophet is accepted in his hometown. But the truth is, there were many widows in Israel in the time of Elijah When the heaven was shut up three years and six months, and there was a severe famine over all the land, yet Elijah was sent to none of them except to a widow at Zarephath in Sidon. There were also many lepers in Israel in the time of the prophet Elisha, and none of them was cleansed except Naaman the Syrian. When they heard this, all in the synagogue were filled with rage. They got up, drove him out of the town, and led him to the brow of the hill on which their town was built, so that they might hurl him off the cliff. But Jesus passed through the midst of them and went on his way. Brothers and sisters, this is the gospel of our Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen. If you're visiting for the first time again, uh, first time today, again, welcome. We're thankful that you're here. Uh, This month of January, I'm preaching on spiritual health. Uh, what it means to be uh, fit for discipleship and how that fitness doesn't have to do with uh, personal resolution, but the gifts provided by God, the provisions that the Lord gives us. So this month of January, we're focusing on what it means to be strong in Christ, and it has nothing to do 
with the strength that uh, we concoct from within. It has to do with the strength that's offered from without, a strength available to all in Christ through the gift of the Holy Spirit. If you weren't here for either of the previous messages, please go to our church website. You can listen to those sermons. On the first uh, weekend of meditation, we focused on the Word, how important it is to take time for the Word. For in the Word of God, there is strength, there is truth, there is power. And how Jesus said it's not enough just to read it, just to hear it, but we need to be word doers. We need to put it into practice. We need to learn uh, from the word how we might walk in righteousness. We also focused last weekend on prayer, the gift of prayer, and how um, you can pray but not necessarily pray rightly. What kind of praying is pleasing to the Lord? Today we're focusing, of course, on worship, a worship that is decidedly and unapologetically Christ-centered. We're not just talking about worship in general, we're talking about Christian worship. Now, having been your senior pastor for more than a few years, I have had the pleasure, the joy, the blessing of baptizing many adults who are new uh, believers, just beginning their walk with Christ. I've had in um, new member classes people who never belonged to a church before, whose moms and dads didn't raise them in the faith. And there's something about these new Christians that is very refreshing to me because they don't have the same kind of filter that many of the other members of this congregation have. And by that, I mean um, they don't know that there's certain questions you shouldn't ask the pastor. I love it. It's great. Um, a young person in a new member class asked me before New Member Sunday, so if I join your church, uh, how, m- how many times do I have to come to worship? How often do you expect me to be here? You see, third generation Lutherans don't dare ask the pastor that. They, they just skip whenever they want. <laughs> I said to that um, beautiful new believer, well, first of all, It's not my church. Not my church. I serve here for a while. Someday I'll be gone. Uh, The church is people. And if the church belongs to anyone, it belongs to Jesus. It doesn't belong to any senior pastor, whether he or she stays for five years, 30 years, or, or more. Pastors come and pastors go, but the word of God abides And then I said, you know, I understand your question, but it's really not the question that a Christian should be asking. Instead of how often do I have to come here, it's how often do I get to worship the living God? How often do I get to worship freely with my brothers and sisters in Christ? So I've covered some of these um, reasons to be away. And just in case you weren't paying attention during those sermons, or if you're visiting for the first time today, here they are. If you're out of town, on work, on vacation, you really can't be here, can you? But if you're out of town, there might be a church or two where you're working that weekend or vacationing that week. And I often, uh, when I'm out of town, will go and visit another church. And please don't be scandalized. Uh, I don't always go to a Lutheran church. We're Christians first and we're Lutherans second here at Faith. We're not ashamed of our Lutheran heritage. We thank God for it. It's powerful. We have good theology. But I'll go and worship um, wherever Christ is proclaimed as Lord of Lords and King of Kings. And I'm often blessed by it. You can do the same. If you're sick, 
you should stay at home unless you're, the, the pastor has to preach. Then you better show up and do your job. But if you're sick, if you've got a fever, if you're hacking, if you've got the flu, stay home. We don't want it. But let us know. Because then we'll pray for you, as we're going to pray for my wife, Kirsten, this morning. If you're hospitalized, you can't very well be here for worship, right? But let us know. Uh, I and my fellow associate pastors will come and visit you. We'll bring you communion in your hospital room. Yes, we will. If you're homebound, you just can't get out. Life has changed. You're limited in your travel. Let us know. We'll, we'll bring communion to your home. But don't be like that woman in one of my churches in Minnesota where, as the new pastor, I inherited a list of almost 30 people who were shut in. That's what they called it in Minnesota, the shut-ins. They're shut in. They can't get out. A list of almost 30 people. I started with the first person on the list, and I said, Hi, I'm the new pastor. I'd like to come by and see you this Tuesday. You can't come on Tuesday. That's when I have my bowling league. How about Thursday? That won't work either. That's when I go play bridge with my girlfriends. Remember, she's shut in. How about Wednesday? Well, as long as it's in the morning, because on Wednesday afternoon, I go to the Catholic church to play bingo. So if you're shut in, we'll visit you. Just make sure you're really shut in. And then there's one more reason that you can't be here in worship, and I'm not joking. If you're behind bars. Now, of course, if any of you found yourself behind bars, I know it would be because you've been wrongly accused. But in my time here, we have had members of this church behind bars. And we will visit you. That's a biblical ministry, by the way. You can check it out in God's Word, Matthew 25 and Hebrews 13. We visit the widow, the orphan, the sick, the imprisoned. So, are you paying attention? It means if you're not homebound, sick at home, receiving care in the hospital, out of town, or wearing a beautiful orange jumpsuit in a room provided to you by the government, you should be here in worship, period. But let's be honest, as honest as that young person was, just beginning a Christian life and asking the question, how often do I have to be here? Let's be that honest. Many of us choose to stay away for other reasons. And how often is that decision made in consideration of what God deserves and what God desires? You see, worship has never been our idea. It's not something that we concocted. It's not something that we thought up. Here, Lord, do you like our worship? It's not something that we choose to do because it's so good. It's not something we choose to do because we are in the mood for it. We are created by God to love him, desire him, know him, serve him, and we are created to worship him. And the mere act of worship declares the truth. He is creator and we are creatures. He is savior and we are sinners in need of saving. Jesus went to the synagogue on the Jewish day of worship as we hear in today's gospel. It was not optional for our savior He worshiped faithfully in accordance with God's word. Let's look more closely at the gospel text as we learn about faithful worship. Our Lord has just completed 40 arduous days of fasting in the wilderness, a time of severe hunger, thirst, temptation by the evil one. And after the devil finally left, Jesus did not say, wow, time for a little R&R. I need some time just to myself. He went forward in mission. He went forward in obedience. He went forward in worship. 
After those 40 days, he returned to Galilee, and on the Sabbath, he went to the synagogue. Did you hear that in verse 16? As was his custom. Now, there are many faithful translations of the Bible into our English language. Your particular version of the Bible may say in verse 16 that Jesus went to worship as usual, as he always did, as was his way. Those are all faithful translations of the text. It was his habit. It's what Jesus did. It was usual. Think about that. Now really, think about that. Jesus was raised by people of devout faith and obedience. Mary and Joseph, her husband, worshipped at that synagogue in Nazareth. They took their boy there. They made pilgrimages to Jerusalem, to the temple. So you see, going to synagogue on the Sabbath day was not a new thing for Jesus. He'd been doing this his whole life. And he first saw that holy habit in the example of his parents, grandparents, aunts, uncles, moms, dads. What are your children, your nieces and nephews learning about worship from you? What do they see in your example? Is worship your custom? Is it something else? Is it usual for your family or only when it's convenient? Married couples, especially newlyweds, Is worship a customary part of your life together as husband and wife? Are you building your spiritual life together on the solid rock of God's word? It's right there in Matthew 7. You build on rock, you can withstand the storms. You build on sand, your spiritual life's going to come crumbling down. Long-standing church members, after all your years of belonging to faith, those of you who've been here long before I was called the senior pastor, is worship your custom or do you come when it suits you? I saw one of our members not too long ago at the grocery store. When I first came on board, I saw him almost every week. I don't see him so often these days. And I I mentioned that. I said, I miss seeing you in worship. And he said, well, pastor, the way I look at it, I've already put in my time. Sounds like a jail sentence. Sounds like a mandatory community service. I put in my time. I'm done with that. Is that pleasing to the Lord, you think? Newer members. Those in the new member class. Will you make worship a customary part of your life? Just as important as any other thing that you're doing with your days upon the earth. The custom that Mary and Joseph passed on to Jesus served him well. Having been raised in a home where faithful worship took place, Jesus faced the devil's lies and temptations without flinching or backing down. He was quoting scripture when he said, it is written. He was putting the devil in place by the word of God. It's written. And you're misusing scripture, you liar. Are your children and grandchildren being equipped to deal with the temptations they face today? Are they learning and applying the truth of God's word in order to deal with the assaults on their sweet lives by the evil one? And if you don't think your children are under assault, you need to wake up and understand that we are in spiritual warfare, all of us, until we see the Lord face to face. Jesus relied on God's word when he was facing the hardship and difficulty of being alone in the desert without food. With the devil there trying to trip him up. That's the example of our Lord. He's leaning into the word. And he seeks worship. And some people today fall into difficult times. They stay away from worship. They think Sunday mornings are just for shiny, happy people. 
but not in the bad times of personal struggle or disappointment. This is not the example Jesus sets for us. When you feel tempted, when your life is difficult, when you have faced disappointment, when you've got bad news, you should keep your custom of worshiping God and being in holy fellowship with your Father in heaven and your brothers and sisters. Because you see, removing yourself from worship only makes you all the more alone and all the more vulnerable. Now for a moment, let's consider what happened when Jesus, as was his custom, went to worship in his own home church, his own home synagogue. He declares the truth. The word of the Lord has been fulfilled in your hearing. Now, you heard the reaction of his friends and neighbors, right? They actually truly tried to kill him. Yep, they'd come to worship in their local house of prayer. But they weren't prepared to hear the word of the good news of what God was doing in Jesus. As long as the promises of the prophet Isaiah were somewhere in the future, in their minds as a dream, in their imagination as a future possibility, you see then their lives and worship was manageable. But as soon as their worship is filled with God's living word, Jesus, the word made flesh, and the promises were delivered in the presence of Christ himself, they became agitated. Filled with rage, Luke tells us, forced him out of the building, even tried to push him over the cliff to destroy him. He was not welcome there. There's worship going on in many buildings in this city across the land in which the truth of God's word is no longer welcome. In many congregations, so-called services of worship have become so shaped by popular culture and the fallen worldly standards around us that there is little, if any, consideration to what the Word of God actually has to say to us. You see, true worship always leads to faithfulness and radical obedience to the living God. Jesus demonstrates the connection for us. He refused to bow down and worship the devil because he was obedient to the will of the Father. In too many congregations, worship has become little more than an hour or so of entertainment or distraction. In our entertainment culture, some pastors have decided to play the game of trying to put on the best show in town, make the people feel good, make them laugh. And by all means, don't say anything that might offend someone, especially a newcomer. That kind of worship was best described years ago, before my time, by Richard Niebuhr, taking a hard look at the condition of what was passing for worship in so many congregations across these United States. And he said, A God without wrath brought men without sin into a kingdom without judgment through the ministrations of a Christ without a cross. I've preached on this before. Maybe you remember. There's a congregation here in town that promotes itself this way, even on their website. Church, like never before. There's another congregation, takes a different approach. You might have seen their sign on the way to the mall on Louisiana. In big, bold letters, their signage says, Church, like it used to be, like never before, like it used to be. That's all about marketing, isn't it? It's about trying to reach a target audience. That first church wants people to think that they can provide some sort of cutting edge never been done before, out of the box. New experience each and every Sunday. Kind of like a certain car dealership many of you have heard of 
where they say, we're going to wow you. The second church wants people who don't want to be wowed. They don't like change. They don't want new songs. They want church like it used to be. But what church are they describing? The first century church that worshipped in hiding? Of the church of middle ages where people actually stood for worship? There were no pews, no chairs. Uh, The church that worshipped in Latin without electricity and indoor plumbing? Which church like it used to be? The church of the 30s, the 50s, the 70s, really? See, both these congregations are trying to make the case for their way of being the best in relationship to tradition. In the first church, tradition is bad. It's to be avoided. In the other, tradition is a good thing to be desired, but which particular tradition do they lock on? (laughs) I think what's lacking in both is truth. Every congregation, including the newest church in town with smoke machines and strobe lights and a really cool rockin' band where all the men have man buns, those churches have tradition. Once they've been around for six months, they got a way of doing things. doesn't matter if a church is 200 or two years old. And every congregation has a culture, a history, a narrative, a collective memory. We have a way of worshiping here at Faith. We don't claim that it's the best in town. We don't claim that it's church like never before or church like it used to be. It's church the way we're doing it in this moment in God's history. We have a way of doing things. But most of all, we seek to worship the Lord in spirit and truth. It's not about traditionalism where we worship the past, but we worship in that holy apostolic tradition passed on to us by those who served the Lord in their times. And in their time, many were moved to write hymns that at one point were brand spanking new. Amazing Grace at one point was a contemporary hymn. So was a mighty fortress is our God. Sometimes worshiping the Lord here at faith, we do it with old songs, sometimes new ones. We do it with a medieval ensemble. We do it with the choir that often wears robes. We do it with the band, plugged, not unplugged. And we have a target audience, those who don't know Christ. For our mission is to lead others to him. Love God. And do your best to obey his word. Be a witness to the power of the gospel as you lead others to Christ. And you may find yourselves as popular with your classmates, your co-workers, your neighbors, as Jesus was that day in Nazareth. You see, if you dare to live by the promises of God, if you choose obedience to your father, especially when your obedience is out of step with the ways of this sinful world, you may not win any popularity contest. One of our first Christian leaders served God when the Romans were persecuting people of faith harshly. His name was Polycarp. When I first heard his name, I thought that meant what? Many fish, Polycarp. Anybody here named their son Polycarp? It's an old name, but that was his name. He was instructed in the Christian faith by the Apostle John. He was born around 70 AD. He was a leader. He wrote letters of encouragement to the church in Philippi. He served as the pastor, sometimes called bishop, of the church in Smyrna, modern-day Izmir. The Roman emperor had unleashed bitter attacks during the Christians during this time frame. 
And members of the early church recorded many of the persecutions and deaths of believers. You know that word martyr? We always say martyrdom, someone was killed. That word literally means witness. And so many of those who witnessed to Christ were indeed put to death. Polycarp was arrested by the Romans on the charge of being a Christian. He was no longer young. He was an old man. Amidst an angry mob, the Roman proconsul looked upon this old guy and took pity and just said, Polycarp, all you got to do is take a little pinch of incense and throw it at the statue to Caesar. All you got to do is say, Caesar's Lord, and you can live. And to this, the witnesses there recorded Polycarp's response. 86 years I have served Christ, and he never did me any wrong. How can I blaspheme my king who saved me? Steadfast in his worship of the true God, Polycarp refused to compromise, and his reward was being burned alive at the stake. Christians today continue to be persecuted when they worship Jesus and submit their lives to his lordship. They remind us that worshiping God is not optional for Christians. We don't do it when it's convenient. Jesus said, if you want to be my follower, pick up your cross and follow me. Does that sound like an invitation to an easy life or convenience? But for those who follow Jesus, you see, worship is customary. It's a way of life. It's not a matter of putting in my time and now I'm done with it. It's like breathing. It's what we learn from Jesus. In our word today, Christ reminds us that we are to worship the Lord our God and serve only him. God, help us to worship with such courage, such commitment, such faith. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.